Well, good morning. I'm Karen Gallagher, and I'm a member here at FPC. I wonder how often someone has asked you recently if you're ready for Christmas. There's a sense of anticipation in December, isn't there? There's gifts to buy, food to prepare, cards to write, and decorations to put up. I don't know if anybody managed to put up quite as many as those lights. Until finally, maybe around 4 p.m. on the 24th, if all goes well, you may decide you're ready. How are your Christmas preparations going in your home? It's 10 days to go. I hope your turkey's ordered, your presents are wrapped, and your lights work first time you plug them in, because ready or not, Christmas is coming. This week and next, we're looking at two women who weren't ready for Christmas. They weren't even expecting it yet. Two women for whom Christmas was a complete shock. Two women, one young one old, whose lives were transformed by Christmas. Two women who would impact the world around them so much that their stories would be told for thousands of years. Next week, Chris will tell us the story of a, a teenager who has to decide whether she is ready or not for Christmas. She has to decide whether she believes it or not. Today we're going to look at a woman called Elizabeth, who is part of the Christmas story, but we don't talk about her so often. And she faces the same questions. Is she ready for what God wants to do in her life? Is she ready to receive what God has done for her? Is she ready to take her place in God's plan for the world? Ready or not, believe it or not, that first Christmas is coming. What about you and me? You probably have a plan for your life. It might not be written down, but there are things you hope will happen. Relationship hopes, career goals, that comfortable retirement that you're working towards. You might have a holiday booked or plans to redecorate or move house or to change your job or get that promotion or pass your exams or make it into uni, find that special person or just plans to stay healthy or get fit. How do you respond when something happens to change those plans? When your well-organized life is interrupted with a new opportunity or a difficult challenge or just an unexpected change? And it could be something that impacts the rest of your life. I don't find it easy to adjust my plans to accept the changes that come my way, especially if it's something that I don't feel ready for. I didn't feel ready to journey with my sister as she struggled with cancer. I didn't really want to change my plans to fit in with that need. Nor did I feel ready to move country when my husband got a call about a job move. It's a bigger thing to accept that God has good plans for my life and for yours, that he wants to weave our lives into his big plan for the world. It's not just about us. He wants to work through us to do good things, and that might mean a change to our plans. So whether we're here for the first time this morning or we've been coming to church for years, whether we believe it or not, God wants to include us in his good plans for humanity. Ready or not, believe it or not, God is on the move. Ready or not, believe it or not, God has a plan for us. 
Well, the first Christmas was the centerpiece of God's plan for all mankind. God's plan that goes ahead whether we're ready or not. And the story of God's plan for Elizabeth's life actually started long before she was born. 2,000 years before, God reached out to a man called Abram, who was written about in the ancient Jewish writings we call the Old Testament. God called him to emigrate to a new country and made him some rather crazy promises. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, that was southern Iraq, leave your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. That's a big change of plan. I will make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Sounded unlikely. Abraham was used to feuding tribes who were rarely a blessing to each other, more likely rustled some sheep. Then God took Abraham outside and promised that his family, his descendants, would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. The trouble was Abraham and his wife Sarah had no kids. They were childless. So it made no sense to Abraham that his family would grow into a great nation. But Abraham believed God against the odds. He remembered God's crazy promises until the day he died. He did have that promised child eventually, but he often did his own thing. He tried to hurry God along, and God worked through an imperfect Abraham. He went ahead with his plan anyway. And then God did the same with Abraham's descendants, and they grew into the people of Israel. I'd like to say they were model citizens whose examples were to follow, but every one of them, if they believed, they also had times of disbelief. Every one of them behaved and misbehaved. But God made them more promises across the years through the prophets, his messengers. And all the me although the meaning of those promises at times was obscure, they wrote them down anyway and they pondered them. There would be a son who would come, a child, a descendant of Abram who would be king, who would bring peace, who would be a messiah, a rescuer. No one was sure exactly what that would look like, but it gave Israel hope in dark times because they knew that God was on their case. He had a plan. So some were waiting expectantly to see what God would do, but for others, the wait was too long. They gave up on God. So that promise to bless all nations through Abraham's descendants remained unfulfilled for 2,000 years. But for those who were looking, there were also a couple of prophecies about someone else, a last prophet, a messenger who would come, sent by God to prepare the way for Messiah. A famous prophet called Isaiah spoke about a voice calling in the desert, preparing the way for the Lord. Centuries later, another prophet called Malachi brought a message to the Israelites from God. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So a messenger, 
a prophet is coming, and those who listen to his message, that's the children of the current generation, will turn from their unbelief to the faith of their believing ancestors. That's their fathers. But nothing happened. There was silence from God. 400 years of silence. No prophets, no messages, just the ancient stories for those who remembered. God's temple still functioned in Jerusalem. The priests still offered sacrifices, but God was silent. And the times were dark. Under the Roman occupying forces, cruel Herod the Great was king. There was bloodshed and atrocities. But God was at work in this darkness. He was getting ready to turn on the lights, preparing for the arrival, firstly, of the one who would point to the light. We get the details from Dr. Luke, a first century Greek historian who, who was so intrigued by the Christmas events that he made a careful investigation. He interviewed people to get the whole story. Luke told about a Jewish couple, both from priestly families, Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah. They were from the hill country, so they were unknown, there was nothing remarkable, except Luke notes that they were good people. They followed the commands that God had given centuries ago. But there was a big sadness in their lives. In a culture that placed huge value on having large families, they had no children. Elizabeth, in particular, felt that that reflected on her. And they were both getting on. They were at least 60. So for them, the situation was hopeless, and they both knew it. Their twilight years were approaching. They're planning their retirement. It must have been painful for them to watch their friends enjoying children and grandchildren. Felt like a shadow over their home. But God was at work, even in their sadness. Well, one day the priest Zechariah was chosen by Lot to enter the temple, to burn incense on the altar and pray. Two sacrifices were made every day, but there were thousands of priests, so it was an honor, probably a high point professionally. So dozens of priests and Israelites would wait and pray outside while the priest went in. Well, Zechariah entered the holy place and he stood alone before the altar. He prayed as he made the sacrifice. Suddenly, an angel appeared standing beside the altar. He must have interrupted Zechariah's incense routine. Zechariah's shaking in his boots. He was terrified. The angel reassured him, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. And we think, well, what prayer? Was Zechariah praying for Israel, praying for freedom from an impressive ruler, praying for God to speak into the silence, praying that God would shine his light into the darkness? Because Zechariah had given up praying for a son. But the angel clarified, Elizabeth will have a baby, and you're to call him John. Not only will that baby bring you joy in your old age, but many are going to rejoice at his birth, for he, he will be great in the sight of God. And then the angel gave Zechariah instructions about the boy's upbringing, and, and he said John will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back 
to the Lord their God. But there's more. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God's plan from eternity is to bring together a people who are his own. So these words, I hope they're ringing bells with you, um, but they must have rung bells with the priest who probably knew the words Malachi had spoken centuries before off by heart. His son would be the next prophet. His son would prepare, prepare the people for Messiah. Well, it's an awesome thought, but don't you love Zechariah's response? He's like, what? How on earth? How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. Zechariah chose his words carefully there. He was overwhelmed by what the angel said. He didn't get it. He couldn't figure it out. He had doubts. It was too late biologically. They're too old for sleepless nights and running around after a toddler. How on earth would they manage? Can I have another sign, please? But Zechariah is not the only one to ask God to prove himself to us because I think we've all done it. Even though God has already done so much, we see it all around us, the beauty of the created world, a planet that can sustain life should be enough for us to recognize God, but we want more. We should be careful what we ask for because we might get it, like Zechariah. The angel's response was quite funny, really. He just says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Seriously, Zechariah, you're in the holy place of God. A pretty impressive angel appears. He's sent by God himself, and you're asking for another sign. Gabriel continued, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words, which will, will come true at their proper time. These are words of judgment for Zechariah's unbelief. The sign he requested is going to be his inability to speak. But Zechariah's hesitation could not thwart God's plans. God was at work even when God's servant responded poorly. God is going to do it anyway. God was going to bless Zechariah and work through him in spite of his reaction. Well, meanwhile, the folks outside are praying and they're worried because it's taking too long. What's going on? Then Zechariah came out and he can't say a word. He did some charades and they realized he's seen a vision. But I'm thinking, did he really act out that Elizabeth is going to be pregnant? I think he missed that, that bit out. He didn't want to, to look funny. Anyway, Zechariah finished his temple duties. He headed for home, and I think he's still skeptical. Would God finally answer his prayers for a family and for Israel in one go? Do you think, um, how wonder, sorry, how long it took for Zechariah to move from unbelief to a place of wondering, could this be true? Ready or not, believe it or not, God is at work. 
Well, I want us to put ourselves in Elizabeth's shoes now. Hubby comes home from a shift at the temple and you're excited to hear how his special day went, but he can't speak. Now, we're not told if she thought that was a blessing or not. Elizabeth probably couldn't read, so maybe they did some sort of ancient Pictionary. But it's not long before Elizabeth, too, is sitting speechless. Seriously, Zechariah? I'm well along in years. She gave up hope of a child long ago, but she still trusts in the God who seems to have ignored her prayers. Elizabeth seems to be up for it because Luke tells us she fell pregnant and then kept it secret for five months. Maybe she didn't want to say anything until she felt the baby kicking, until she was sure. And there's a contrast here between her belief and her husband's disbelief. You can feel her joy when she said, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he's shown his favor and has taken away my disgrace among the people. Elizabeth is thankful to God for her baby, and she acknowledges it's God who's done it. He's intervened. She's trusting that if it's God's plan, then he will enable her. He'll give her enough energy to care for a son. But what does she think about the prophecy that they've got to give it a particular name, that he'll be a prophet, a forerunner of Messiah? Because that doesn't sound like an easy path. It probably means he'll have to leave his hometown. They might not see much of him. It might mean no grandchildren. The prophets risked an early death because their message was often unpopular. God had a plan, and he was going to make sure it happened anyway. But Elizabeth and Zechariah had a choice about their son's name. They had a choice about how they raised him. Would they stand back and just see what happened? Or would they actively guide and teach the boy, tell him about the angel turning up? Would they do all they could to encourage his spiritual development before sending him off when the time was right for him to answer God's call? Ready or not, believe it or not, God will make it happen. But are Elizabeth and Zechariah ready to receive what God has done for them? Do they believe in God's plan enough to do their bit towards making it happen? Well, our story continues with a visitor, Elizabeth, Elizabeth's relative, a cousin of some sort, an unmarried teenager turned up, and she traveled 70 miles to be there. She surprised at the older pregnant Elizabeth, perhaps in the middle of the washing up. Elizabeth hasn't seen Mary in a while. Something strange happened. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's really weird. It's more than joy at a surprise visitor. It's more than the normal kicks and hiccups that every pregnant mom experiences. Elizabeth felt an unusually large movement inside her. So she was overcome with emotion. She was overwhelmed by the presence of God, the Spirit, in her. And it's a moment of realization, even divine revelation, because she suddenly knew things that she didn't before. She didn't see an angel, but the Spirit of God spoke directly to her. 
So instead of the normal hellos and inquiries about the journey and health, Elizabeth poured out words of encouragement to Mary. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby inside leaped for joy. Elizabeth understood that if her child was going to be the one to prepare for Messiah, that must mean the Messiah, her Lord, was coming soon. And through the Spirit, she recognized that Mary would bear that special child. Well, these are pretty dramatic words. Mary's jaw must have dropped. How on earth did Elizabeth know she was pregnant? It was much too early for her to show. How did Elizabeth know there was something special about her child? <clears throat> Seeing her aged relative pregnant confirmed what Mary herself had been told by an angelic visitor. Mary was blown away. Watch this space. Next week, we're going to look at Mary's story. <clears throat> But what a special moment for these two women. Elizabeth's been on a journey of faith, wondering at Zechariah's crazy story, daring to hope, thanking God for a miracle, preparing her own heart for the responsibility of raising a prophet. And now there's this joyous moment of hearing from God for herself. Elizabeth didn't ask for another sign. She signed up to God's plan with all her heart, and her response was a huge encouragement to her young relative, Mary. Elizabeth continued, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. She blessed Mary for her faith. But that blessing also applied to Elizabeth herself, because she's trusting God for the delivery, safe delivery of her baby in her old age. She's committed to bringing up her son for God, prepared to let him go, not knowing if she'll live long enough to see the prophecy fulfilled. Well, how does this story pan out? First things first, does it turn out to be a boy? Well, Elizabeth did have a son, and there was great rejoicing. And on the eighth day when the child was circumcised, it was assumed that he would be named after his dad. But Zechariah was still mute. So it was Elizabeth who spoke up and named him John. That's a step of belief. But it was challenged because the name wasn't in the family. They brought a writing tablet to Zechariah. They made signs to him. So I'm wondering if he was deaf as well at this point. Well, what is Zechariah thinking by now? Is he still skeptical, still not ready? Is he prepared to commit his son to do this? He wrote, his name is John. Zechariah's belief has caught up with God's plan, and immediately he could speak. His tongue was released when he wrote the boy's name, when he finally obeyed. Well, what did Zechariah say? Did he complain about the last nine months? Did he make a joke about his virility and his old age or comment on who the boy looked like? Zechariah spoke words of praise to God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, 
because he's come and he's redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us. That's a reference to Messiah. Zechariah now believes that their savior is coming soon to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. God was keeping his promise to bless all people. Ready or not, the first Christmas is coming. Well, Zechariah not only got his speech back, he was empowered by the Spirit to speak words of prophecy. So this is a picture of how God releases gifts when we respond to him in faith and obedience. Zechariah made some prophecies about his own son. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. How Zechariah has moved, he's moved from doubt, from questioning God's plans to belief. He's all in. He's going to spend his old age preparing his son for his unique task. He's bought in to God's plan for his life. In receiving what God has done for him, he's become part of God's blessing in the world. Ready or not, believe it or not, God is on the move and God has a plan well, Elizabeth and Zechariah thought that they were just spectators waiting for God's plan to unfold. Their lives were turned around when they believed that they were key participants. They stepped up. They turned that belief into action. They fulfilled their role of raising their son to obey God's call so that John, in turn, could take his place in God's great plan for humanity. So Elizabeth and Zechariah's story is a key part of John's story. And the story of how John grew into a man of God and became known as the Baptist because he baptized people in the river and played a key role in pointing the Jewish nation to Jesus. John's story is part of the Jesus story. And the Jesus story is what gives meaning to the whole thing. Jesus is that descendant of Abraham, the one who brings blessing to all peoples. Well, you and I missed that first Advent, but we're living now in a second season of Advent as we await the return of Jesus to earth, not as a baby next time, but as a king of kings. God's plan for the world is still unfolding. Ready or not, believe it or not, God is on the move. Ready or not, believe it or not, God has a plan for his people. So God isn't asking you or I to give birth to a son who will prepare people for the baby Jesus because that job was given to Elizabeth and Zechariah. That job is done. But God does want to include all of us, wherever we are in our faith journey, in his plans for humanity. He is on the move today. He's living and purposeful. God sent John, and then he followed that up with, by sending the Messiah that first Christmas. He longs for us to receive what he has done for us. 
we receive it by believing. Everyone has the potential to be a participant in God's plan. So as we celebrate Christmas this year, I wonder if you are ready to receive what God has done for you. Elizabeth testified, the Lord has done this for me. Are you ready to believe that God has done Christmas? He sent Jesus for you. Are you ready to explore why Christians make such a big deal out of Christmas? Head to the Next Steps area and ask about our Christianity Explored group starting in the new year. Are you ready to receive what God has done for you? Are you ready to take your place in God's plans for the world? How willing are we to let God do what God wants to do in our lives? It might mean revising our plans. It might mean putting aside our personal goals for 2020. Elizabeth and Zechariah had to give up their plans for that quiet retirement. Are you and I ready for that kind of divine interruption? Are we ready to share our lives, our faith with others? Are we ready to invite our family, our friends, our neighbors to some of our Christmas services? Are we ready to invest in our young people, ready to prepare and release the next generation to serve God in ways that we can't imagine? Are we ready to prepare those around us for the return of Jesus one day? It probably won't be an angel, but it might be a divine nudge today or tomorrow. Our unbelief, our skepticism, our reluctance, our version of Zechariah's, how can I be sure, will not thwart God's plans. But what a privilege it is when we step up to take our place in God's plan to bless all people. Ready or not, believe it or not, God is on the move. Let's just pray now. Lord, we believe that you are living and purposeful. We believe that you have a good plan for humanity. Help us to receive what you have done for us. Give us courage to believe that we can be a participant, not a spectator. Help us to take our place in your plan for the world. Lord, we want to respond with faith when you give us a glimpse of your plan and we pray that our obedience would bring glory to your name. Amen.